Jim Shoemaker, Michael Powell, and Scott Jordan are investment advisor representatives offering advisory services through Satera Investment Advisors, a registered investment advisor, securities offered through Satera Advisor Networks. Member FINRA SIPC, Satera is under separate ownership from any other named entity. Shoemaker Financial is located at 2176 West Street, Suite 100, Germantown, Tennessee, 38138. Helping you make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Now, your host, Jim Shoemaker. Whether you're a baby boomer or a millennial, it doesn't seem to matter. A common concern is always money. Well, welcome to today's program. We have got a great lineup for you today. Plenty of information and education, and we're going to throw in some fun just for good measure to make sure that you stay interested and stay with us through the entire length of the program. If you have questions, I want to remind you that you can send them to Jim, J-I-M, 901-683-0989, or you can send them to Talk Money at Shoemaker Financial. You can find our show Talk Money on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker and subscribe to the program. We appreciate that very much. Today's program, Michael Powell is going to be talking about some life planning and retirement, life planning. It's really about what are you going to do at retirement? And uh, you're going to help make sure we have enough money there make sure that you can enjoy your retirement. But this is about making sure that you're going through the process of planning for that moment in your life. Also, Scott Jordan is going to help us answer one of our questions about buying gold. And we'll talk about that in just a few minutes. And then at the last part of the program, you don't want to miss this. He's always great. Daniel Irwin with the Better Business Bureau takes us back to scam school. Things that are happening here in the Mid-South, you don't want to miss that part of the program. But Let's get started. Scott, this question that's come in, and I think it's a legitimate, great question. They read an article that was in a Wall Street Journal. They've been thinking about it. We talk to people all the time that think about this, and there is so much media, you know, the news coverage, you, you know, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. You need to put your goal. You need to take all your securities and do this. And literally, the question is, should I be buying gold? And here was the headline. I went back and looked up the article. The headline said, when market goes scary, mom and pop buy gold. Wow. That's a pretty, pretty, and that was in August. In fact, that was August the 7th. And so that's what's kind of prompted, I think, this whole mindset. Then I think a lot of people are thinking about that. And, of course, the subtitle to it says that, Swings in stocks and bonds have boosted the metal's popularity with ordinary investors. That that, that word, that's what I'm thinking about, ordinary, ordinary invest- investors. Everybody yeah. is an ordinary investor. And, and uh, you know, we see this a lot, and and that's so true. The, the headline there is kind of true. So whenever we see market volatility heighten, um, you know, and, and even more recently with the inflation and all those numbers coming out, those prints kind of scaring everybody, we do see an increased interest in gold. You see it by... By the way, you see a lot more advertisements for gold. You see a lot more talk about it on talk shows and stuff. And then also we get a lot of more questions from investors of, hey, I'm hearing all this about gold. Should I be investing in gold? And that's the question. And I think, in fact, Gallup poll from this article that was in the Wall Street Journal, it literally said that 26% more people today, that's what the number is, that's up from 15% in 2022, 26% in 2023, they say the it's the best long-term time to instant from an investment standpoint is gold. That's what they figure is the best long-term investment is gold. And that's a big problem. And those that prefer stocks, same 
same Gallup poll, they talk about this, it's dropped 18% in 2023 versus 24% in 2022. So again, back to what you're saying, all the media, the noise, the noise, noise, the emotions, all that plays into to the headline, when market goes scary, mom and pop buy gold. And and I think that, by the way, is a great comparison because uh, and when somebody asks that, you know, I always want to kind of back up and go, okay, what are we exactly trying to accomplish here by buying gold? Is it we're scared to death, we don't know what's happening in the world, so we better put our money, and I'm going to use air quotes here, somewhere safe. So that tends to be the mentality of people that want to buy gold. They think, oh, gold's a good inflation hedge. Let's put our money somewhere safe because we don't know the future and we don't know what's going to happen to the market. And that tends to be that mentality that increases that awareness toward gold. But I don't think the facts, if you really look at the facts, they don't bear out that gold would be a better investment than a lot of other things. Before you go to the facts, though, let me make sure that I think it's important for us to review what we're hearing. You know, the the fact that we've got this U.S. You know, the, the job, September, August, August, September number was 187,000. That's We added that number of jobs. That's a pretty good headline right. from that standpoint. Unemployment's at 3.5% up from July. So that tells us, you know, a little mixed emotion. Inflation's still around from that standpoint. We got this auto strikes that are going on with all of, you know, that's, that's headed next week, you know, this coming Thursday. And the reality is... Mr. Powell's still hawkish when it comes. He may raise rates one more time. All that's the noise, and you hear it, and you listen to it, and then you look at the S&P 500. They declined in August, first time you know since February of this year. And if you look at the manufacturing outlook, pessimistic, yes, it is, and it's slowing part of the economy. Again, just noise, noise. So tell us the facts. Well, there's, you know, there's a lot of conflicting economic data, but I, I think that, you know, long term, as a long term investor, remember, we're trying to accomplish something. We have some sort of a goal we're trying to accomplish. Let's let's use retirement as an example. We're trying to save money for our future spending needs, and we're trying to do that in a way that we compound that money to outpace, you know, the cost of living, outpace inflation, but also grow that wealth to a sizable amount to where we can actually take income off that. So that's you know, if that's our purpose of investment, where is the best place to put that money in order to have a good chance of reaching that long-term goal? And I so, think that's really what this guy is asking, right, you know, right. from that standpoint. Now, he didn't get his name, but I think, should I buy gold with that mindset? Yeah, and gold, you know, gold's had an interesting history. You go back to, you know, the when the dollar used to be pegged to gold, and they kind of pegged the price of gold at artificially at $35 an ounce, and then you know, of course, Nixon took the dollar off the gold standard, and that allowed the price of gold to more free, free float. So it, it gained a lot of popularity in the 70s because of the inflationary time back then and because it had been kept artificially low for so long, it kind of had to catch up to the market price and did okay during that time period. Uh, but if you look at a, a, you know, you can look up the price of gold at a site like Yahoo Finance or other sites, but I looked up the price of gold on September 5th of 1980, and it was $647.50. As of around September the 5th, the price of gold was $1,949. So if you just do a time value of money calculation on that, uh, that would get you about a 2.59% rate of return over that 43-year period. Not bad. But now when you look at at what inflation averaged over that time period, over that 43-year time period, it was around 3.1%. So gold, you know, as often thought of as an inflation hedge, didn't quite pace inflation over that time period. Now, there are times period where it does better than others, and some, it does act as a good inflation hedge. But over that time period, 
it it did not outpace inflation. Now, let's talk about an alternative to that. Uh, I'm going to put my money into the to the market as uh, instead of buying something like gold or, or precious metals. And over that same time period, uh, if you look up the value of the S and P 500 as of September 5th, 1980, it was about 124.88. Um, as of uh, September 5th, it was around $4,496. So, again, just a simple time value price rate of return calculation on that, you're at about 8.69%. So, 8.69 versus 2.59. And by the way, that does not include dividends and dividends reinvested. So, if you add that into the picture, that's even more because gold really doesn't do a lot. I always tell people, what are, what are you actually investing in? No it's interest, just, It just no kind of sits there. There's no interest, no dividend. It's not making anything. Uh, whereas, you know, putting your money into the economy, into thriving businesses that are productive, you know, you can earn dividends and reinvest those dividends. Well, I'm sure like if we'd had a lot more time to prepare thinking this question through, but it's a great question. I appreciate you looking up the data from Yahoo Finance and working through that numbers. But the reality is, not, we're not saying gold or any type of precious metal shouldn't be a part of someone's portfolio. Absolutely. But Absolutely. selling it out and completely going to cash and then investing just in gold is not what we would consider to be a good long-term strategy. Right, right. As your total investment strategy when you're trying to accomplish something like saving for retirement. Well, speaking of saving for retirement, I want to talk with Michael Powell. Michael, we want you to come in and help us go this process. I mean, I think one of the things that so many people, when does someone need to start saving for retirement? I mean, I know that, you know, you think, well, hey, if I'm 60, I've got, I'm going to spend a lot of time talking about that. Mm-hmm. But if I'm 25, uh, I'm not even going to pick up the book to read about it. You know, 35, I might read a page or two. 45, I might read a chapter. Mm-hmm. 55, I'm reading through the book. At 65, I got the book memorized. I mean, you just it just means more and more the closer you get to that retirement age. But what would you recommend if you could say from a standpoint, I know you've got an article that you read from Bloomberg that really talks about this, and I think it's important, especially when Scott's talking about it from a standpoint, buying gold and putting everything there, that's not a very good strategy. But what about when should someone think about investing money in their retirement plan? Jim, I can't say yesterday, right? As my answer. <laughs> no, no, yesterday's probably not. Yeah, yeah. Un- unfortunately, we can't do that. And we can't go back. So whether you are 65, 35, 45, we got to think about Today. Today. We can't go backwards. Right. But based on that article, Jim, from Bloomberg News, 25 is the ideal age to start saving. Of course, because that's when everybody's thinking about it. Out of school, it. got everybody's your first job. Everybody's thinking about it, too, right? Yeah, everybody's, yeah, everybody's thinking about oh, saving for retirement yeah, at 25. Right. I mean, I know I was. Sure. That's top of mind for me. Yeah. <laughs> So, so forget the car that I wanted to buy, you know, forget the nah. trip that I want, or the big screen TV, you know, none of that was important. I focused 100% on retirement. What would be the money if I needed to set aside at 25 before retirement? Well, if I went over and did a calculation, of course, the, the article does a great job of doing this. At age 25, if I wanted to have at least a million dollars to retire on by age 65, I needed to invest $100 a week. Not terrible, right? No, I mean that's, that's now. Of course, given the fact that it's earning, how much money? How much money did I need at sixty? Is that sixty-five? Yes, million dollars. Million dollars at sixty-five at hundred dollars a week. Hundred dollars a week, compounding at seven percent annual return. 
overtime will get you about $1.1 million. And this is the Bloomberg article that was uh, written by... I Suzanne Woolley. Suzanne Woolley, okay? Yes. All right, so she's So if you're 25, put $100 a week into an investment, assuming it earns 7% compound for 40 years, that's a long time to commit, but 100 bucks a week gets you about over a million dollars. That's a lot of money. It is. That's a lot of money. What if you... Um, Delay, buy the big screen, a new car, and you decide to wait. Now, if you decided to wait, you know, 25, I'm going to do me. I'm going to go on vacations. I'm going to buy that big screen TV. I'm not going to, you know, delay this. If you did that same $100 a week, starting at 35, you would be slightly more than $300,000 with that same rate of return, 7% by the time you're 65. Wow. That's a big. A third of the number just by waiting 10 years. Wow. You know, that's a, that's a, I, I don't think we think about that. No. I mean, that's a, that's a big difference from that standpoint. So how much money would I have to save if I'm going to start at 35? If, I, if it was $100 a week, I'm 25. Now I am 35, I'm going to start. How much do I have to save to, to get to a million dollars? Based on the calculations, Jim, we ran, it's about $200 a week. A little over $200 a week at 35, compounded at 7% in order to get a million dollars at age 65. Well, you got Daniel Irwin's attention over here. So, <laughs> Sounds you know, like yeah. he, You know, he was, he was over there asleep knowing he's coming <laughs> on in a few minutes, but you woke him up for that. What about it, Daniel? This is just a question. Um, do, do y'all have a lot of clients that are that age? I mean, do you think a lot of 25-year-olds out there are actually thinking of this and doing what what this? I mean, are, are it's been a long time since I've been 25, and I know that when I was that age... Th- this wasn't even on my radar, oh, unfortunately. Yeah. But I mean, are are people that age really doing this? I've seen as early as eighteen year olds come in and start putting money back. Now, are they doing a hundred dollars a week? Probably not. But you know, once they get out of school at that twenty two to twenty five range, you know, you'd be surprised they're they're thinking about it. Now, <laughs> that's people I'm meeting with. I'm not meeting with every single twenty five year old. I, I was going to say it's so probably it's, not the yeah, norm. No, no but it, it may it be. It does happen. Yeah, it, it's not going to be the norm for sure. But if you have the discipline to do it, or if you right. had a mentor, or at least somebody at your company that's promoting your 401k plan or something like that. I wish I had somebody telling me that when I was 25 because I didn't really buckle down until I had kids, right? Like till I got my first kid is when I really started thinking about, oh, I really need to start saving for retirement Mm -hmm. now. You know, had I had somebody telling me this when I was 25, man, my my, uh, portfolio would look a little different right now. (laughs) Absolutely, yeah, I mean- I know, I know when my daughter got her first job, uh, she, she got her first job out of college and she was sitting down doing her HR paperwork and I, I was, I was sitting down helping her do it because she had questions about it. And I said, okay, 401k, we're going to save 20%. And she was like, whoa, whoa, hey, whoa, but 20%. (laughs) I said, look, you're going from basically making no money to making more money than you ever have. If you learn to live on this 80%, that you have left, you'll be doing great for the rest of your yeah. life if you make that a habit. Now, she wasn't happy about it, but, and if I had not been there to make that decision with her or for her, she probably wouldn't have made that same decision. Oh, for sure. Because you look at a 401k plan with your HR, 99 times out of 100, if someone's not educated enough to know a decision, they're going to look at what's the match. Right. Right. And, and just right. Like, if you're if matching me three percent of my salary, yeah. I'm going to put three percent, and I'm not going to do anything else because it doesn't benefit me because I'm not getting anything else out of it. Which is the terrible. That's a terrible mindset to have because you got to treat yourself like a bill, and just like whether it 
it's a new income. I've never had this money before. You actually have to think of that as another bill. But you're well, I, paying yourself for your future self. I think Daniel's asking a good question. How many 25-year-olds are thinking about that? And you mentioned the word mentor, parents, doing mm-hmm. what they do. It does just simply take those people coming alongside and, and encouraging them, whether it's the HR person, somebody at the office, or, you know, our friend or somebody. And that's what I hope we're kind of encouraging today. If it's $100, you can set aside 100 a week, have a million dollars. If you wait till age 35, you got to do 200 a week. I'm scared to ask yeah. you what if you wait to 45. I don't even want to know that, but it's yeah, uh, it gets it, it gets pretty So what we're talking about, time the, the whole idea of compounding and the growth and just don't delay because it costs money. Well, and then just having the habit of the the discipline of saving that early, I think, also helps you later in life, right? For many things, oh, yeah. just that Absolutely. discipline and uh, of, of doing it every month and just you know, just just banking that into your calculation. Let it, me talk about this, guys, because I think last week we mentioned this, Michael. You remember this? You were with me last week, and we talked about the fact set research sheet that talked about those people that historically timed the market or timing in the market. We talked about that, and the whole process was knowing a little bit about what to do and what to think about. And I remember we talked about the person that is absolutely perfect. In other words, they make every call they make financially, they put the money at the mar- in the market when the market is at its low during that year, just on an annual basis. They get $10,000 on December the 31st. They wait until the market hits its bottom for the year, and then they invest. Perfect. They're never, they never miss it. Well, that describes me to a T. I do, I sure it does. I sure it does. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I, I have never had the privilege, but I know somebody that has. <laughs> I'm or you, at least you hear about somebody. <laughs> that. That's right. They knew exactly, exactly. when to get out. You know, it's, it's impossible. But now the, the person that I think is a little bit more is that person who's disciplined, who gets the, the $10,000 on the 31st and makes the investment on the 2nd. Mm-hmm. That person is saying, I'm disciplined. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just going to make that. I'm going to do it every time. That person's got $637,000 compared to the absolute perfect person, seven hundred and twenty-four. So Not uh, bad. Not bad. I mean, you know, $90,000 less. But the reality is there that's something we can all do. That's discipline, and everybody in the room can do that. Mm-hmm. Pitting it perfect, only Scott can do that. And we know Scott, and maybe he can, you know. <laughs> but, but now here's the other side of that, the person who doesn't feel comfortable doing it on January the 2nd, but they do it on a regular basis where it's done, we call that dollar cost averaging. And it's, again, just another method of disciplined approach to investing. They got $617,000. Now, here's me. This is the fourth guy, and this is the one who only makes his investments when the market is through the year at its highest point. Now, this is bad timing. This is worst-case scenario. I only make it at the top of the market for that year, and that's when you buy in. You still end up with $550,000 if you do it at the worst time. That is better than someone who delays and doesn't do anything and just leaves it in cash. That person only ends up with 220000 The point is, it's just historically... The worst timing, me, at that five hundred forty fifty thousand dollars number, reality is beats just not doing anything. And I think that's important when it comes to the person setting aside a certain amount of dollars and doing that from that standpoint. And, and I think what that points to is what we try to teach people all the time is that it's the discipline of doing it that makes all the difference. You're never going to make all the right timing decisions. It's impossible to consistently time the market or predict the economy or predict what's going to happen. But... By regularly setting aside a sum of money, however you decide to do that, whether it's 
dollar cost average each month or just put the money in right when you get it. Just by enacting that discipline of saving that money on a regular basis, you're going to have a greater chance of success. And that, I hope, has answered the question, should I buy gold? And the reality is, as we've said, you can have some, but long-term strategy is being in the market of stocks and bonds, being in the market. And again, not past performance is not an indication of future, and you can't invest in the S&P 500. So reality is reality. But it's important for us to explain all that. And I think we've had a good discussion, especially with the young 25-year-old. Get started. Just yes. get started. That's I don't care if it's 100 It could be 50 bucks a month. It doesn't have to be 100 But do something rather than nothing. And I want to say one more thing before we get off of this, and that is to the 45-year-old or 50-year-old who didn't get started <laughs> at 25, it's not too late to get started. Sure, you may have to save a little more. It may take a little more discipline, but... You know, it goes back to that quote, when's the best time to plant an oak tree 25 years ago or today? If you haven't started, let's get started now. And I appreciate the fact is usually at the time the person's 45, they got more money to invest. They should be able to catch up. I wonder when we come back, how much money should a person have when they retire? I want to find out what we've got for that answer because that's a part of the life planning when it comes to retirement. Okay, let's make sure we dive into that when we get back. If you just tuned in to us, we appreciate you being with us today. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and this is Talk Money. The views depicted in this material are for information purposes only and are not necessarily those of Cetera Advisor Networks. They should not be considered specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Cetera does not offer direct investments in commodities such as gold, oil, etc. Dollar cost averaging will not guarantee a profit or protect you from loss, but may reduce your average cost per share in a fluctuating market. Helping you make the most of your money. Talk money with Jim Shoemaker on News Talk 98.9. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or a recommendation. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Helping you make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Now, your host, Jim Shoemaker. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money. My guest is Micah Powell, Scott Jordan, and Daniel Irwin. Daniel's going to be talking about really what's going on in scams around Memphis and the Mid-South. And just you need to stay with us because when that part of the program comes in, you need to be just listening to protect yourself. That's important. That's Daniel Irwin. Micah Powell and Scott Jordan have been talking about literally What's the problem with buying gold? And we've gone into that with some ideas about investing and why gold should could be a part of anybody's investment portfolio. But overall, just staying in the market, again, the great companies of America. And remind you that you can't invest in the S&P 500, as we talked about earlier. And past performance is never an indication of future performance. Now, but let me, you know, Michael, we talked about this. How much does a person need at retirement, let's just say if I'm going to retire at 65 and I've been making $100,000 a year, that's been my income at that point. What do they need, you know, for that amount of money? Well, based on the Bloomberg article, Fidelity did some studies 
And okay. based on age 60, I'll give you a earlier on. Let's start, let's okay, start at the start beginning. 60, let's start right. at the beginning. Okay. 30-year-old. We'll go oh, younger. Right. I'm going to give you even younger. Okay. So if I'm a 30-year-old and if I've, I need to have amassed at least one year's worth of my pre-retirement income at that point to be on track to retire. Okay. Now, fast forward to age 60, I need to be at eight times. So eight times my pre-retirement income to be on track for retirement. And at 67, ideally, I need to have at least 10 times saved of what we're making before retire before in order to maintain the same lifestyle before those paychecks stop. So it's 67, which most people are picking up Social Security at that age mm-hmm. now. And so 67, you're talking about 10 times my pre-retirement income income average, I guess. So let's say I'm making 100000 I need a million dollars at 67. Yes. That's the number that so many people need to be sensitive to and, and aware of. It doesn't have to all be in your 401k. No, it, it just, doesn't. You just need a million dollars. It could be at the bank. It could be in 401k. It could be wherever, but it just needs to be readily available for that time. Because once you stop working, besides a Social Security check, if you qualify for that, you have to live off other things. Unless you are living a very simple lifestyle on the front porch watching the cars drive by every day. And eating beanie weenies and... Ramen noodles. I don't think any of those things are going to be fun for you. <laughs> I hadn't thought about beanie weenies in a while. <laughs> I don't you know, know either. Vienna the sausages. We're going to get phone calls now <laughs> right, from half right. a dozen people that say, that's my diet. Yeah. <laughs> and that. it's okay if you eat those things. But, I mean, you do have to think about I mean, a million dollars sounds like a, a right. great big right. number. But based, if you're a doctor making, you know, half of a eh. No, okay. stop, stop where you are. You, you were okay. right on track. Now, let us let me take you on right into okay. life planning, okay? All right. All right. All right. I appreciate what that's you're saying. And, and, you know, that kind of diet, I get it, and I totally understand. <laughs> no problem. I don't <laughs> recommend it, Jim. But, I don't. You know, <laughs> but I can tell you that, that, you know, different strokes for different folks. You know, exactly. But at least we've got a target. And what I really like about your target is you've, you're talking about life planning at retirement. Mm-hmm. So that dollar that you've got a, that you're talking about having, and of course I know you said that came from the Susan Worley Bloomberg article mm-hmm. where she calculated that for us. But the reality, when you talk about life planning, that's something that I know we all talk about with clients. And but what actually, Michael, would you would you say to our listening audience, life planning is all about? It's all about the mental and physical aspect of retirement. We always get so caught up in the numbers and the data and what kind of paycheck you're going to get and all that. But how have you thought about the 40 hours a week you just freed up? I mean, that's a long time to think about, right? Because we're so used to just getting up, getting ready for work, driving to work, doing your job, coming home, repeat, recycle over and over and over again. But you've got so much time on your hands now. And a lot of people, when they retire, I know you've probably seen it in your career, when they retire, they haven't thought out the actual activities and social events they're actually going to do, and it could be overwhelming. That's a that's a big point because I have seen clients that uh, you know go through that. Scott, you and I you yes. know, have met many times where they this this mindset, and they really are not looking at what their lifestyle, what they wanted it to be or desired for it to be prior to retirement, and mm-hmm. that's really a problem because whether it's travel, whether they're going to play pickleball every day. I mean, that's right now the biggest thing, hottest thing going. But the point is, what are they going to do? Or are they going to sit on the porch and, <laughs> and eat beanie <laughs> weenies? <laughs> Which yeah. doesn't sound too bad. I know. 
No, but I, I mean, won't ever forget that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's what I'm here for. I'm making things memorable. You know, Jim, when we talk to people, though, that is something we try to help them think through when they're getting toward that approach toward those retirement years. It's like, you know, are, are you trying to retire from so, something or are you retiring to something? Because you really have to think about, like Michael said, how are you going to spend all that time that you used to spend at work? Um, and there's a lot of factors to think through in that. You know, you've got couples who aren't used to spending that much time together. You know, maybe maybe one was at home, one was working, or both were working. Now, all of a sudden, they're both at home all the time. That can create some strain in the relationships, things that you have to think through. No question that can create. And we've seen that where we've actually talked to people. And, you know, there was a point in time when you thought about retirement, you thought about Social Security and your company pension plan. That was kind of the, that was, that was it. it. I mean, you didn't, there was nothing else. You got the Social Security check and the pension check, and that was it. Today, you've, you're saving money. You've got your 401k, which is, you know, not like a pension, mm-hmm. you know, and so you go through that process. You have to do some thinking through that. So that's all part of that planning, not only the active side, what are you going to do, but how much you've got to have, which you very clearly stated at age 67, they need 10 times, according to that Bloomberg article, 10 times their annual or check or income mm-hmm. prior to retirement. I right. think that's great. I think that's put us together. What do people need to think about when you talk about this this whole idea of lifestyle? Well, you got to think of, I think of two main points I want to bring up. Number one is, you know, like I said earlier, you got 40 hours a week, you just freed up. What are you going to do at that time? Are you going to be doing anything additional? Are you going to be doing a part-time job? We got a guy who just retired a few months ago, and he is actually going to be a golf marshal at a golf course. He gets free golf. He loves golf. That's what he's going to do. If you're not a golfer, that's okay. And he meets people. so that He's going to meet new people. He's got, he's got, you know, 20 hours a week he's going to do something with. But you're not if you're not happy at where you are, you got to find out where you're going to ha- be happy next. So are you going to volunteer somewhere? Are you going to work a part-time job, whether it's a golf marshal or work, be a barista? Will you start a business? We talked about last week that couple that retired, and yeah. they're, they're going to start doing some woodworking on the side. I mean, there's so many different things you can think of, but it's got to fit you and your personality. So let's go through some things. I mean, I know we've talked before about what a person might need to do as far as education, education and, and growth mm-hmm. through that process. And the idea behind, okay, uh, I've got more time. Maybe I'm going to Go to some type of continuing education, you know, learning, go through this process, learning a a new language, something like that. Thoughts? Well, I definitely would say, you know, if you plan on doing that, just think about, you know, I mean, there's tons of different career opportunities out there, educational programs. I mean, there's tons of community colleges and even local communities that have classes, even at the library and things like that. But I don't. Step out and do something. Yeah, you just need to step out and do something. It could be volunteering at the golf tournament we have every year at, the, at FedEx St. Jude. It could just be any type of thing like that that you want to do. Excellent. What about some other things that you want to talk about when you say people need to think about to help define what they're thinking about life planning? Health and fitness. Oh, that's big. I yeah. mean, it probably is one of the more important things if you think about it. Because if you aren't taking care of yourself health-wise, routinely going to the doctor uh, maybe doing a couple walks a week, something like that, or even if you've had a workout routine, you need to maintain good health. Because if we plan on living a long time, because we saved a lot and we want to spend that over our, our lifetime in retirement, you got to make sure that you're maintaining your health and fitness and everything. You don't have to run a marathon, Jim, but 
you need to do something to make sure that you're not sitting on that couch eating those beanie weenies uh, you love. You, is he talking and, to me? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not talking about I don't you. Know. He's talking to me. <laughs> but health typically declines a lot if you aren't active, if you're not doing things. And we saw a lot of that during 2020 with the pandemic. Absolutely. People were staying at home and not taking care of themselves anymore, not going to the doctor. And that's important to think about. Well, and healthcare costs money too, right? right. So, I mean, yeah. you know, that's something to keep in mind. Oh, you know? yeah, for sure. It, the better health you are, the less money you're going to have to spend uh, mm-hmm. for doctors and all that kind of stuff. You know, oh, yeah. We've talked to people, Scott, where you can tell they're not having conversations. And uh, you can just tell that with, by the time we start right. talking with them, they're just not having that consistent conversation, which is really what we're talking about. With retirement, planning so that you are continuing to have a conversation. And, you know, that's so much of our social life is wrapped up in our work, right? So a lot of times when you when you leave the workplace to retire, it can be, uh, I mean, you if you're not careful, you can become very isolated and not have a lot of good conversations and good interactions with people. And that's where being involved, whether it's volunteering or, or doing some things through your church and things of that nature, just staying involved with other people can be so important. I like the word volunteering because just stepping out, maybe you haven't had the time, right. but stepping out of your comfort zone and finding something, that challenge, at, you know, at 67 or 70 or 75, that challenge is really important to you. One of the things that you mentioned when, Michael, when we were kind of talking about this earlier, is can a person be happy not working at anything, you know? Right. And that's, that's a key, tough question for people that they need to be thinking about that before they retire. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you, you think about all the people that hate their job, they're waiting until 65 or 67, that key number where they can get Social Security or something like that. But as soon as they leave that job, they have nothing else to go to. I mean, I had a client who was a flight attendant for many years through an airline and then she retired. She was tired of it. Didn't want to deal with it anymore. But she was at the house and just absolutely bored to death. Couldn't really just wanted to be out, be around people and stuff like that. But the fact that she left that job, now she can't find anything that fits her and what she wants to do and spend her time. It's really making her miserable. Yeah, that's that's really a critical part of anybody's life planning when it comes to retirement. So I think what we're trying to say to everybody listening, life planning is all about what are you going to do with the money that you've been saving since you were 25. I got that, you know, and, you know, so you don't have to eat beanie weenies. (laughs) (laughs) I told you guys, I'm never going to get that. (laughs) The reality is then what are you going to do? Not just sit home and rock in a rocking chair, but Mm -hmm. how are you going to be involved? And that is life planning for retirement. Michael did a great job. I know there's a lot more. We'll come back and talk about some of the other things, but I got to get to Daniel Irwin because the Better Business School is now open and the professor is in the room. Welcome to the program, sir. Thanks for having me, Jim. You know, when you come and talk, you always bring information, Daniel, that I think we, it's kind of like we don't want to hear about it because we (laughs) think that's terrible, but yet at the same time, we need to hear about it. And this one, I tell you, this is... um, Man, this, this one you're going to tell us about now is one of those that's kind of frightening in the fact that it's hitting the medical profession. And it's happening here in Memphis. The FBI and the FTC warned about this again a couple weeks ago. It's an older scam. It's hitting the rounds again here in Memphis. But essentially, uh, it's an impersonation scam that's targeting doctors, nurses, and medical professionals. Um, basically, uh, scammers are going to call you and they're going to say that they're sheriff's deputies. Uh, and keep in mind, it's going to co- it's going to show up sheriff's deputy or sheriff's department on your caller ID, and they're going to threaten to arrest you because they're 
they're going to tell you that uh, because you're, you're a medical professional that you missed a court date where you were supposed to be an expert witness. And because you missed that court date, you were held in contempt of court. And because of that, uh, they're going to come after you and they're going to arrest you and even suspend your medical license unless for some reason why, and they'll have a variety of reasons, you pay them immediately in gift card. Now, obviously, we we know we've talked about this enough on the uh, on the program that obviously anyone who wants you to pay via gift card, it's a scam. The government won't take you know gift cards as a form of payment, and police aren't going to take a, a fine over the phone, and they're not going to tell you to pay a specific kind of way. But here's the thing: these people are being targeted because they're medical professionals, and in the reports that we've gotten, and in the alerts that the FBI and the FTC issued, uh, the callers knew specific information about the careers of the people that they were targeting. So, for instance, they may know where you did your medical residency. They may know where you you went to school. They may know your current employer. They may know what clinic you worked at, right? So they know these details. That combined with the fact that when you look at your caller ID, it says Sheriff's Department make it a little more believable. And these are professionals. They make it urgent. They make it you know, critical, and they, mm-hmm. as you said, they got all this information. You said that this was hash- happening nationally, and it's yeah. beginning to happen locally. It, yeah, so the FBI and the FTC issued a nationwide alert about this a couple of weeks ago. We've started to get calls about it uh, here locally in Memphis. Now, I've not heard anybody locally that's fallen for it per se, but remember, they wouldn't be doing this on a national level if someone wasn't falling for it. And again, what makes this more believable is the fact that they're targeting specific people. So when they call, Daniel, they're saying, Dr. Irwin, I want to talk to you. Correct. Or, you know, this is this, this is something. You- and they have a very specific reason. They're saying that you didn't show up for court. You were held in contempt by the judge and you have a warrant out for your arrest and you need to settle this today. Now, they're good at what they do. They think that if they can get you talking on the phone, that they can they can actually convince you for whatever reason why it's OK for you to give them a gift card. And again, I've heard a lot of reasons. One of the people I talked to said the caller told them that they had to actually go to the courthouse and, and, and you know to, to settle it and on the way to the courthouse they were told oh the judge can't see you today just go ahead and give me the gift card numbers right mm. so there's going to be a reason why but the difference in this and what I want everyone to take away from this is people are being targeted this is not a random robocall that you're getting you're being targeted because of your profession now just like we talked about a few minutes ago how you need to be disciplined when you're investing you need to be disciplined about how you protect yourself with scams and an easy way to do so is be really careful and cautious about what you put on social media because that's how these scammers nine times out of ten are getting the information that they're targeting you about right so when they talk about where you where you did your residency or where you went to nursing school or maybe some classmates of yours or something that they any tidbit of information they can glean from your social media accounts right they're going to use in their pitch and we're going to start to see more of this with ai and all the the technology going around right they're only going to get better and they're going to start targeting specific specific people more and more. You know, I, you mentioned the social media. I mean, everybody, I mean, you know what somebody ate for breakfast these days. Well, yeah. you're talking right. about beanie weenies. Media. I'm thinking, okay, so I'll call Michael and say, Michael, if you how was your beanie me, weenies today? If you see me post something about beanie weenies, please call the police, please. But no, I mean, you can, just a tip here, I mean, you could go to your Facebook page. And there's some privacy settings. If you're not a friend with that specific person, you could actually make sure that they can't see yeah. your post, they can't see your friends with, 
that would be the most ideal scenario if you're going to protect yourself and still post about your beanie weenie breakfast. But, you know. And again, I'm not telling you not to share information. I'm not telling you not to be sociable, but just know that you have to start being disciplined early on in your career to protect yourself later. Just like you have to start investing early in your career to be ready for retirement. Remember, once something's on the internet, it's there forever. So something that you post when you're 25 could come back to bite you in the, you know, in the tail 25 years later because scams are never going away. Never they just get away. recirculated. That's and think about how much we've let, we, you know, the technology has changed in, in 25 years. Think about where it'll be in 25 years. And again, once it's on the internet, it's never going away. So they're going to use what you're putting to Today in their pitch 25 years from now. You know, that, that is such valuable information. And, and Michael, you're exactly right. What, you know, there's ways of protecting it. And of course, we're not experts in that, guys. But the point is, it's just being very sensitive mm-hmm. to what you put out for the public. And you've said that every time we talk to you, Daniel, just mm-hmm. be careful, be sensitive about that. And know the red flags, right? First off, a real law enforcement's not going to call and they're not going to threaten arrest. Uh, they're not going to tell you to pay a certain kind of way. And again, only scammers want you to pay via gift card, wire transfer, peer-to-peer payment app. Always remember that. That's that's the key right Number there. one rule, right? Yeah. Once you hear gift cards, walk away. Yeah, uh, you know, that's the key. Gift card, stop. That's enough. Okay. Employee retention credit scams. Now, Daniel, this one intrigues me because we hear this dealing with COVID. Right. What was what was available because of COVID. So tell us about that. That's a biggie. Well, the IRS has issued an alert to businesses and tax-exempt organizations about misleading claims involving the employee retention credit uh, scam, or excuse me, the employee retention credit program. program. Um, scammers, and not just scammers, there are legitimate, and I'm going to use the words in quotation, quotation marks, legitimate companies. And when I say that, I don't mean they're, they're operating in good faith, but they're real companies that are behaving unethically. But basically, uh, you're being, we're all being bombarded with these ads telling us that you could, if you're a business, you could qualify for this tax credit. Well, the IRS has actually several times had to issue warnings, uh, and the IRS commissioner even called these these ads an onslaught of misinformation. Um, and basically, these ads that you're hearing make it sound like it's so easy to get this 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 credit, but in reality, it's very very hard. Very few businesses qualify, and if you actually get this credit and you're not supposed to, uh, you'll 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 owe a lot of money, and you'll you'll have to pay fines. Now, the catch is, is in order for them to, quote unquote, take your case, uh, you have to usually pay a lot of money up front. Uh, and then you're either told that you don't qualify for this credit, right? Or they go ahead and they push it through and then you get fined when you get it. Um, also, uh, you have scammers that are joining in on this. And, uh, you know, in order to, to, uh, to, to apply for this, you usually have to use your social and all, you know, sensitive information. So not only uh, are they trying to take your money, but it's also an identity theft waiting to happen because you have to fill out a really, you know, long form, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, when somebody's asking that, I mean, I've gotten so paranoid because I listen to you every month. And I mean, I just I, you know, I walk out and I walk up to my car and goes, is this my car? You know, but my point is, I mean, you're just paranoid. I mean, I, right. you know, and I'm skeptical. Right. I have a certain amount of skepticism today. And so I got an email the other day from somebody in the office that didn't have something on it that I, and I, I stopped and I was like going, oh my goodness. I, I, you know, I didn't know. And I ended up picking up the phone 
And because they were not at their desk, I didn't open the email. Yeah, you should always be double checking and, and no harm, no foul, right? If you're wrong and it really is legitimate, you, you've you've taken what? It's taken you two minutes out of your day to double check something. But but taking that two minutes and checking it out really saved you a lot of heartache in the, in the end. No question. And again, what lends this credibility is the fact that you're, that you're hearing the ads and you're seeing the ads on TV. Remember, just because something makes the air of a reputable radio station or a reputable TV station doesn't mean that it's not unethical, right? You know, so you have to be really careful with that. You know, I, in the remaining time, I, you're exactly right. Speaking of unethical, that's I really, <laughs> I, I really want to jump on this one because this is the letter that you talked about earlier that you were go, going over with me. A letter from a quote unquote lawyer about cashing in on someone else's life insurance policy. Yeah, this is another one that's hitting the rounds. It's an older scam that's going around Memphis right now. You're going to get a letter and it's going to come in the mail and it's going to claim to be from an attorney from a foreign country, usually from Canada. And they're going to tell you that they're, they have a client who's deceased, who has a huge life insurance policy and that they have the same last name as you. And for uh, basically, it's going to be a solicitation wanting you to sign up with them so they can put your name on the life insurance policy so you can cash it and split the money with them. Now, that is illegal, right? That's 100% illegal. That, you can't cash someone sounded, else's life in per insurance policy. When you said that earlier, Scott jumped out of his that sounded like fraud. <laughs> it, it is fraud. But it, it's also not real. These aren't real attorneys. What they're trying to do is they're trying to get you to bite on the apple. And once you do, they're going to want your personal information. They're going to want you to pay them some money up front or something like that. So um, this is one where if you bite on this one, you know it's probably, uh, well, it's not legal anyway. And you probably know that. But, um, you know, it is a scam going around and, and no judgment. People fall for this one, too. Um, you know, so you just have to know if it's too good to be true, it probably is. But no, you cannot in any shape, form or fashion cash in on someone else's life insurance policy and it be legal. I'm surprised that one gets reported. <laughs> it's kind of like I was well, trying to commit a crime. This is how prevalent it is. The FTC issued a warning about it just last week, so it is happening. And so this one is going. It's 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 usually a form letter, and it's easy to spot. But the FTC would not be issuing another warning about this if people weren't falling for it. You know, and as always, Daniel, you do bring just you know education, information. Thank you so much for appreciate what you do. It's always good to go to Scam School. Boy, we've got great program. Michael Powell, Scott Jordan, and Daniel Irwin. If you have questions for any one of these, especially Daniel, his telephone number is 901-759-1300. That's 1300. If you have questions for Scott or Michael, you can reach them at 901-757-5757. If you have questions for Talk Money, just send it to Jim, J-I-M, to the text line, 901-683-0989. Next week, my guest, Greg Vellier, he'll give us the Washington update. You don't want to miss his comments. And Scott will be back with fundamentals and answering your questions. You just always send us your questions. And Shannon Dyson will be talking about self-funded health care. That's Saturday morning at 7 a.m. and Sunday at 9 a.m. I want to thank my producers, Tyler Springs and Maximilian, guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner, production and marketing assistant, Lauren Norsworthy, and compliance officer, Tommy Armstrong. Thanks so much for listening. We're for you each and every week, helping you make the most of your money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money.
Daniel Irwin is not affiliated or registered with Satara Advisor Networks, LLC. Any information provided by this individual is provided entirely on behalf of the Better Business Bureau. It is not related to Satara Advisor Networks, LLC or its registered representatives. Jim Shoemaker, Michael Powell, and Scott Jordan are investment advisor representatives offering advisory services through Satara Investment Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Securities offered through Satara Advisor Networks. Member FINRA SIPC. Satara is under separate ownership from any other named entity. Shoemaker Financial is located at 2176 West Street, Suite 100, Germantown, Tennessee, 38138. Helping you make the most of your money. This has been Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker on News Talk 98.9.